Well, our theme for this coming year is expect something new in 2022. So that's it rhymes, at least maybe you'll remember that. It comes from a, based on a verse in a passage from Isaiah. You'll be hearing more about that this week as this, this year our focus will be on a foundational vision for reaching children and families. And you'll be hearing more about that and you'll hear about that even in this message today and the reason we need to do that. I invite you to turn to the book of Judges, chapter 2. We're going to read verses 7 through 10 of Judges, chapter 2. Judges, chapter 2, verses 7 through 10. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the territory of his inheritance, in Timnath Herez, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaash. All that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Now that verse 10 is the key verse for this morning. It is about that generation that did not know the Lord. How did such a generation come about? But I not only want to consider it in the light of past of the past history, of God's people, I want us to explore the implications of that today. Could there be a case in the history of God's people today, could it be the case that there is a generation of people in the church today who simply does not know the Lord? Well, to understand this, we need to break this down a little bit. First, we need to consider the spiritual leadership of Joshua and the generation that belonged to Joshua. Joshua was a strong spiritual leader. He was a man who knew the Lord and loved the Lord and followed the Lord. Joshua's leadership was also inspirational leadership. He inspired others to take great steps of faith. And because they took those steps of faith in obedience to God, they saw God do great things. They saw him knock down walls and reveal himself in exciting ways. But God's work never rests on the shoulders of only one man. As you look at this passage of scripture, you also see that there were other leaders. There were elders that outlived Joshua Men's names don't always appear in the record of Scripture, nor will they always appear in the Baptist paper, nor in the bulletin. But there are people who serve the Lord and love the Lord, and there were men in Joshua's day who did that. We read of these leaders who outlived Joshua. They also left a legacy of inspirational leadership. It was their leadership that helped keep the congregation on track and continuing following God's will. But not only were all of these men inspirational leaders, the Bible makes it very clear that these men were also men 
who experienced God. Now, what in the world does that mean? What do we talk about when we talk about experiencing God? Well, it means they were witness to the mighty deeds of God. They saw walls fall. They saw battles won. They saw the Jordan part. They saw Rahab saved and many other things that God did. All of those things were part of their testimony. God's activity inspired them and their stories of what God had done inspired others. Finally, the scripture tells us here that all of these served the Lord. They were men of prayer and worship and faithfulness who followed Lord, the Lord's leadership all of their lives. That was their legacy. But second, we need to talk about this generation that came after them. What happened to this generation that came after them? Well, I raised that question asking you to take a look at your church and asking you to consider where are the next generation of leaders of First Baptist Church? Here in this church, we have a missing generation. Now we look at this generation of people. Caleb and Joshua didn't even belong to Moses' generation. Moses' generation was that older generation. Well, they did. They were over 40. Uh, but of the people 40 and under, the only ones that entered the promised land, none of those people of Moses' day even made it in. Only Caleb and Joshua were part of that older generation who made it to the promised land. So we're talking about the generation younger, the generation under 40. That generation under 40 was the generation that followed Joshua and Caleb. They were the generation that outlived Joshua and Caleb. They were the generation that served the Lord and loved the Lord. They were the generation that fought the battles and took steps of faith. But that generation didn't last. No godly leader lasts, nor the godly people that follow that godly leader. There have to be other generations that come up on the scene. But here we read, there arose a generation after them who did not know the Lord. And so this morning we're asking a question I think is legitimate. Could there be a generation in the church today that's missing, that's missing because they're missing something? They don't know the Lord. Let me give you an illustration. Did you read the newsletter this week? We, I wrote a, the article in the newsletter and how many people under from 20 to 40 did we have in Sunday school last Sunday? Did anybody, can anybody tell me? There's a finger, one, just one, one. And so how many people under from 20 to 40 are in the church today? If you're from 20 to 40, 20 to 40, anybody can raise their hand? We got Katie. And you know how many we had in the early service? Three. And I want to tell you what, if you've got three people, four people that attend church from 40 and under in that generation, and that's all you've got, and the generation that comes after them that's not here yet either won't be here 
if something's not done. So that's what I want us to think about. Why was there a generation that did not know the Lord? Well, what kind of people made up this generation? Well, first, they were a generation that came after. Apparently, they never had access to these giants of the faith. There was an absence of inspirational leadership that preceded them. It was their grandparents who knew the Lord and loved the Lord and served the Lord. Just prior to Moses' death, he gave this commission to Joshua in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 10 through 13. These verses won't be on the screen, so you'll need to open your Bible to see them. Deuteronomy 13, 31, 10 through 13. 31, 10 through 13. Moses said, at the end of seven years, every seven years, at the time of the remission of debts at the Feast of Booths, when all of Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place which he will choose, you shall read this law in front of all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the alien that is in your town, so that they may hear and learn and fear the Lord your God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law. Their children who have not known will hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live on the land which you're to cross the Jordan to possess. So what was the preventative measure that would keep there from being a generation that did not know the Lord? They were to assemble them. They were to teach them the word of the Lord. In that way, the children who otherwise would have no knowledge of the mighty works of God would hear and learn to fear the Lord. There arose a generation who didn't know the Lord because the generation that came before them didn't teach them the word of God and the wonders God had worked among his people. There were no inspirational leaders in the generation above them, no one rehearsing the mighty acts of God, so they lost, lost sight of the greatness and glory of God. The generation that died knew the Lord and served the Lord and experienced the Lord, but the generation that came after them, that heard those stories and knew the men and women who lived them, had no passion for God and failed to teach their children God's word or God's ways, and so a generation arose who simply did not know the Lord. So first, we have to, as we examine the problem, we have to lay the blame squarely at the feet of the people to whom it belongs, their parents, the parents of the generation that's missing. What happened? Where did we fail because people like me, well, even my children, let me tell you, I've only got one child that still falls into that category, but we have failed. And we are failing as leaders in the church because we have not imparted to that generation our passion for God. Or maybe they have no passion because they do not see a passion for God in us. To them, church is irrelevant in their lives. It has no place or purpose. It has nothing that they need that at least they feel they need. It was a generation who lacked the ability to know God because of the failure of the generation before them. So 
I want to suggest to you that the church is becoming increasingly godless because of our failure to teach the children and the younger generations the word of God. We have so many people who rather than take a class and teach it and lead it, would rather huddle with their adult buddies and laugh about the ball games and chat in our little social groups than teach the kids the Bible. They aren't, the kids aren't taught at church, one, because the parents aren't here to bring them, and we aren't even trying to reach their parents. And if we're going to reach the parents, and remember, if you're 20 years old today, you were born after the year 2000, born in an entirely different century than we've been talking about this morning. And so sometimes we have to do things in a little different way in order to reach those people, that generation 20 to 40. Today, if you're 51 years old, if you're 50 years old, you were born in 1971. Let's say you're 50 years old today. You were born December the 5th, 1971. Think of that. That shocked some of us. I know some of us who went to high school in the 1970s. I went in the 1990s, but it shocks it shocks some of us that it's so long ago, but time passes, and look at what's changed, and all the change has been for good. So they were missing because their parents became distracted by the surrounding cultures and disobedient to God. That's exactly what's happening today and what has happened. Let me show you this in the book of Judges. If you consider Judges chapter 1, if you pick up, pick up reading in verse 27, and I just give you the highlights, the Lord identifies the fact that tribe after tribe did not, were not obedient to God. They did not fulfill their, their assignment. In verse 27, it says Manasseh did not take possession of, and it lists cities and territories that they did not capture. As a result, it says in verse 28, uh, they lived among the Canaanites. In verse 29, Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites. And then verse 31, Asher did not drive out, and they lived among the Canaanites in verse 32. And verse 33, Naphtali did not drive out, and, and, and it goes on and on. Their failures to drive out these people led to an amalgamation of cultures and religions so that the hearts of the next generation uh, were not devoted to the Lord. Now, unfortunately, there's a generation of Christian parents today, and they're not just absent from our church, and they call themselves Christian parents. They are not just in our church, they're in multitudes of churches, a generation of Christian parents who are not teaching their children to live apart from the culture. They've amalgamated with the culture. They worship the soccer culture and the baseball culture and the beach culture and the Disney culture. And they're not taught to worship God or to want God. They're taught rather to forget and forsake the Lord's day because that is the example that their parents are setting for them. And I hear people constantly tell me how hard it is to be able to come to church. It must be uphill both ways for you to come and go. It is so difficult. There are so many difficulties. And yet I go over here to the tax assessor's office and I always go the twice a year to pay my tax and to pay my tag. You know how you enjoy going over there. But I like to read the bulletin board because on the bulletin board 
there's an article about First Baptist Church Loosedale in the 1940s, the late 1940s, and the hundreds of people who were coming to this church and the Sunday evening service, which was held at 8 o'clock at night. I suppose by then they had the cows in the pen and the eggs gathered or whatever else you do at night on, in a country town on a farm, but they came to church anyway. Well, you will find that in the beginning of chapter 2, God sends an angel to speak to them about their failure. Verses 1 through 5. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum. And by the way, the angel of the Lord is always more than an angel in the Old Testament. Never just an angel. Always turns out to be the Lord himself. And most people believe that it is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. So imagine that if that is so. The angel of the Lord said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land I swore to give to your ancestors. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you and you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars, but you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? And I have also said, I will not drive them out before you. They will become traps for you, and their gods will become snares to you. When the angel of the Lord had spoken these things to all the Israelites, the people wept aloud, and they called that place Bochim. And there they offered sacrifices to the Lord. Bochim means weeping. They wept at God's rebuke, but it was already too late for their children for the very next verses lead us back to where we started in verse 10. All that generation also were gathered to their fathers and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. And so we can say, yes, there are people in the church who are at fault and we need to wear that shoe on our own foot. It is our fault that there is a missing generation in the church or a generation missing something. Yet, fault also must be laid at the feet of this missing generation. The most tragic thing that's in that verse 10 of Judges chapter 2 is they did not know the Lord. When you stand before God as a person who never came to know the Lord, who lived your whole life ignorant of God's word and God's ways and God's mighty works, you will never be able to point a, blame, a finger of blame at your parents and say, they failed to teach me. God will judge them for their responsibility, but he will also judge you for yours. There is a God in heaven who created you for, for a purpose. He has a plan for your life desires to reveal himself to you and show you his power, miss that plan, miss that purpose, miss that revelation of his power that he so desperately wants you to know, and he will hold you accountable. It will not be your parents' sins. It will be your own sins by which God will judge you. And if you look at this book of Judges, over and over and over, God tried to get their attention. He sent, let me say this, he allowed terrorists to sweep the land and it would get their attention for a little while and they would cry out to God in repentance and God would 
remove the difficulty and then they would return to their old ways. It happened over and over and over and over. And you look at what's happening in our land today, how topsy-turvy it is, and whose fault, where is the blame to be laid? It is to be laid at the feet of the people of God who time and time again have failed to respond to the discipline of the Lord as he has allowed it into our lives. Twenty years ago, he allowed discipline into the life of this country. And did we respond to it? No, we did not. And so now there is a generation who does not know the Lord. There is a missing generation in the church. Finally, what is needed in the church today to avert such a tragedy? First, the church needs strong spiritual leaders. You need to step up and be the people that God wants you to be. Don't wait for the person on the other pew to be that leader. You be that leader. Second, the church needs inspirational leaders who are not afraid to take giant steps of faith, taking others along for the journey. We also need leaders who will be obedient to rehearse the mighty acts of God to the younger generations. They must hear the stories of what God has done, not only in the scripture, but also of what he's done in your life. Third, we need young parents who will commit themselves to teach their children about God and to keep their own covenants with God before their eyes. And finally, we need some young families who will continually ask about their church. Where is the Lord? And will never be content to let this place be a place that is mediocre or shallow, but will come here for, from Sunday to Sunday with a passion for God and expect others who are a part of this congregation to share that passion with you. It is a must. Otherwise, we will lament again and again and again that there has arisen a generation missing something, and that's why they're missing in the church. They don't know the Lord. Let's pray.